Hello ladies and gents, welcome, it's time for another episode of the Wrestling Connection Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are around the world. We are very, very grateful for your time and because of that, we are going to try to entertain you in any way that we can. Hello again everybody, welcome, this is the Wrestling Connection, thank you so much. We are here for another exciting episode we um we we have really enjoyed hearing all of your feedback and talking to a bunch of you guys out there who have listened to the past few episodes. We are entirely grateful for uh, all of the lovely comments that you've been sending our way. Mm-hmm. We are here for episode number four. Hello again. My name is Chris. This is Glenn. Glenn, it's been a long week, my brother. How are you doing? I am. Um, I'm getting used to this. Do you know you what? Know, last week. This is it, isn't it? Like last time you asked me that question, I kind of felt it was going a bit stir crazy. I, I don't know if it's that, you know, the weather on the whole's been getting better, or mm-hmm. if it's the the fact that I'm getting used to my new job, working from home, of course. But I kind of dig it. Like, don't get me wrong. There's lots about this I don't like. I miss my family, and oh yeah, I feel my heart breaks for a lot of people who are far less fortunate than me. But like. I could do this for a little while longer. That's what I'm going to say right now before, before yeah, it yeah, gets yeah. unbearable again. Are you finding all this? Well, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I'm missing all the sort of basic stuff. Like, I'm missing the football a lot, and I'm, I'm missing the cinema and, you know, like, a wrestling audience and things like that. Yeah. But um, in general, it's really just, it's become, like, a routine now. Do you know what I mean? Like, see, when I was younger, when you'd be in school and you'd, you'd do school, you know, the term, and then you'd go in the holidays, and then for the holidays, I would do nothing because I was obviously younger yeah. and didn't have a job and that sort of thing. I had nothing to do, no responsibilities. It's a bit like that mm-hmm. again, um, where I was working for all this time, and then it's like, okay, now it's the holidays and there's nothing to do. Um, so I'm kind of getting into a, a routine. I'm a really good routine in terms of watching some stuff. Um, um, I'm, I'm watching Ozark right now on Netflix. Um, ah. And I'm watching one episode a night. There's, there's 30 episodes in total. So I said, okay, for 30 nights, I'm going to watch an episode. So I'm on like um, season two, episode five. So there's like 15 episodes to go. And I'm hooked. I'm well in and I'm really enjoying that. I started the Big Bang Theory from the start again. Um, ah. I, I watched Afterlife, Ricky Gervais's new masterpiece. Just absolutely unbelievable. Can't recommend that, that enough. The, he has the Midas touch. I have been a lifelong Gervais fan and... Uh, I've I've not seen the new series of Afterlife yet. Mm. I've saw that I've seen that on Netflix, but the like the, the first season was just you know on so many levels it just worked. Gervais has always been good for that balance of comedy and absolutely uh, and and profound commentary uh, going all the way back to the Office. Uh, like uh, that's a good choice. That's that's definitely on on our list here. Well, I can't recommend season two enough. I think I might have preferred it to the first one. Um, because I felt the first one was really good in terms of taking you on a journey, like you're, you're meant to really like these characters, and then you know there's an ending that really suits. Whereas this mm. one, it's like there's different dimensions, and because like there's different characters and there's different arcs to the characters and stuff, I totally recommend getting to that to you know to very very soon to help pass the time if you're struggling. But um, of course, you're working as well. Do you know what I mean? You've still got your your, your new job. How's that going? It's going really well. Uh, it's it, I have to say. So I'm a teacher for any listeners who don't know. And uh, I started my new job at my new school, having only ever visited the school building twice, once for my interview and once <laughs> for a visit, which was the same week that the schools announced, it was announced that the schools would close. Uh, and I've taken part in quite a few like uh, Zoom team meetings and things like that. I now have classes for pupils I've never met. Uh, and yeah. I'm starting to lose track of who out of my new uh, staff, uh, the staff that I work with, 
who I've actually met physically and who I've only met digitally. And I right. think this might make way for some awkward social interactions down the line. <laughs> um, but like they, they're so welcoming. Like, so all the kind of normal anxiety that comes with starting a new job obviously was there but like the people i work with have been really have been really welcoming and and the pupils are i'm slowly but surely starting to interact with it's just weird because teaching is all about the relationship and having a good relationship a positive relationship with your pupils and your staff uh and it's just hard to come by that digitally but it's not impossible so it's early days but it's going well thank you in terms of like your old uh, colleagues, I know this is totally boring for all wrestling fans, but I'm interested. In terms of uh, your old colleagues and stuff, are you managing to keep in touch with them, or has that just been a total like null and void because of quarantine? Oh, they're all dead to me. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I've yeah, absolutely. I've been talking to a few of them, and I, you know, this this is really boring. But like in Scotland, where we are, um, because we do have two percent of our listenership. Is it two percent in the United States? Two percent right? U.S. Yes, USA, yeah, USA. Thank you to the two percent of our listenership who are in the United States of America. We uh, love you. Do not drink detergent or disinfect yeah. okay it will not work <laughs> just go home uh, and watch raw from like nine to eight you'll be fine <laughs> yeah please do <laughs> um but we still have to teachers have a lot to do with determining the final grades for pupils who don't get to sit exams this year uh wow so i'm still working with my old school to help determine the grades for the senior pupils that i taught before so like both professionally and like just because they're my pals i've been i've been keeping in touch with them and i still plan on having a leaving night with them whenever this all finishes yeah of course nice well there was a day where you didn't know them then you showed up you met them and they became lifelong friends. Could you say that about a certain wrestler by the name of the Big Quiche? <laughs> I certainly could, as this is wonderfully <laughs> transitioning into. That was, that was uh, a really subtle segue. If you did, wow! <laughs> see it this, so this is as so, folks. Uh, if you listened to our episode a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chris and I debuted our new segment, which is Meet a Wrestler, where we told a story about the day that we first met, where we also met Daniel Bryan and Kane. Yes. And two weeks later, we are returning to this segment. Uh, and this time, it's my turn to tell a solo story. We have had experiences where we've met wrestlers collectively, but a lot of the yep. time, our, some of our fun stories are uh, told individually. So here is my uh, meet a wrestler contribution for this week. I'm looking forward to this one because last time we were together in person, you tried to tell me this story, but we were desperately late to a show. So we yeah. didn't really get the full experience. So I'm looking forward to hearing it properly now. So yeah, like the the wrestling scene in the UK is so big that loads of fans who like wrestling here have now had the chance to meet a bunch of wrestlers, and this happens increasingly. You go back to when we were little kids; it was quite rare to meet a big star, a big star in the mainstream WWE uh, roster. But now it's a bit more commonplace because of inside the ropes, or you know, for quite a long period of time, ICW would bring over big names as well. So, yeah. uh, and even other local promotions. Uh, but this story, uh, I chose to tell this one because this is the first big encounter with a wrestler that I ever had. And this comes from a time where it was unusual to meet big stars of wrestling in Scotland. Although this story did not actually take place in Scotland. Oh, so right. Chris, we're going, we're going back in time uh, to the year 2003. Oh, I was yes. a 12-year-old boy <laughs> and it was the first <laughs> summer holidays after I had started uh, secondary school. And my dad uh, 
blew my brother and I's minds by telling us that he was taking us on holiday to the States because we have cousins in California. So what ensued was this incredible, like, two-week holiday. I was so lucky, like, where we got to do, like, uh, go to California and go all over the state of California. My cousins live near San Francisco. Um, but uh, Wait, 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 that- wait, 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 wait. Okay. Have you recommended your cousins the wrestling connection? My cousins, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, no, first of all, no, I haven't, and they wouldn't be interested. Just uh, thinking maybe they're the 2%. I mean, they are nosy, but, <laughs> but uh, I was thinking maybe, maybe we're making new, new contacts in the States, but it's just family members. <laughs> nah, nah, I guarantee you it's not. The last time my cousin Derek had anything to do with wrestling was when during another visit to the States, he ordered WrestleMania 17 on eBay on VHS for me. So nice. Um, a good cousin. So yeah, he's a great guy. I miss my cousin Derek a lot. Uh, so we're in California, and as part of this incredible, like, dream come true holiday, uh, we were going to fly to Los Angeles because that's where Disneyland and Universal is. So uh, we flew out from an airport, not in San Francisco airport, but from Oakland airport. Uh, Are you familiar, Chris, with Oakland, California? I am because of certain YouTubers who live there, but I've never been myself. Right. It's a fun side note. Most of my knowledge of American geography comes from like Tony Schimmel and Howard Finkel. Like that's Absolutely. how I know the cities and states. 100%. I spoke about how how uh, wrestling helped my academic stuff with English, but my geography is would otherwise be de- deprived <laughs> without wrestling. Yeah. So um, um, I feel like are, when, when we watch like quiz shows and that sort of thing, if a question comes up about America, I'm always like first on there trying to like guess because I can think right who's from Missouri, right? Randy Orton. Uh, <laughs> St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, right. So, we are flying out from Oakland Airport. We're going to Los Angeles. The end goes Disneyland. I'm psyched. Uh, I'm a wee boy. I'm 12 years old, and I am wrestling a daft to take the title of another excellent wrestling podcast. And I carried with me a bunch of WWE magazines, and I was really into my magazines, as I spoke about a few weeks ago. Uh, and... <clears throat> Like I remember the UK and the US editions would sometimes be slightly different. So uh, I would often have at that holiday about four or five different copies of WWE and Raw magazine, respectively. Yeah. So we're sitting in this airport. It's a long, I think there might be a delay for all I know. And uh, I'm reading my WWE magazine and I'm told to go and find my brother who's wandered off somewhere like to a gift shop or something. So I get up to go and find my brother Lewis and I can't see him anywhere. And so I, I kind of lose my bearings a bit and I stop and I start doing a circle to try and figure out where I am, how I get to either where he is or back to where my, my dad and my cousins are. And I'm doing a scan, people, luggage, bag, bag, 300 pounds and one man, luggages, <laughs> bag. What? <laughs> nice. Uh, so then my heart stops and every part of my body feels really heavy. And I'm looking... And ahead of me, sat on a seat, wearing shades, a leather jacket, uh, trousers as well, I should add. Yeah. Um, and on a cell phone, a very 2003 era cell phone, is none other than Rikishi. And it's unmistakably him. Absolutely. He's, no, he's hard to if miss. If you see him, exactly, if you see him in the street, you know, there's one person, do you know what I mean? <laughs> one person in the like, world that looks like him. 
I can understand walking past like Mike Bennett or Crash yeah. Holly or I you know like somebody who maybe stands out less in a crowd. But Rikishi really stands out. So for anyone, and I'd be surprised, but if anyone listening to this doesn't know, Rikishi was often billed as 400 pounds. Yeah. He is a very large Samoan guy who had bleach blonde hair at this point. And his gimmick was that he was a retired sumo wrestler who also loved to dance. He wrestled on a thong <laughs> and his special move was the stink face where he would rub his large posterior in the face of his opponent. And Did as a, PG a child, explanation of the finisher. <laughs> and as a child, that was just like such a giggle. It still makes me giggle, the stink face. And it's just stupid toilet humor, but it's, it's hilarious. Um, and so I stare at him and then he looks up and I sh- ooh, nearly swore that I absolutely <laughs> crapped it. <laughs> I should say, uh, when I left my last school, one of my pupils gave me an almost swear jar because that's a problem I have, is that I start a swear, but I always catch it in time. Almost uh, so I swear owe, jar, that's good. I, I owe that jar some extra coins right now. Um, so I bolt back, like ditched the idea of finding my brother, and I bolt back to my cousins. and uh, But then my brother shows up as well, so we're all in one spot. And I'm kind of like jittery and I, I don't, I'm going around in circles. And my brother's like, what is it? And I said, there's a man over there and I think it's Rikishi. <laughs> and he was like, don't be stupid. Because my brother watched wrestling as well at this point, And Rikishi is such a memorable character. Uh, and so we walk back to the spot. And my brother's, the whole time we're walking there, my brother's giving it, oh, don't talk rubbish, absolute idiot, just havering, telling lies as usual, Glenn. Oh my God, I think that is Rikishi. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man over there and I think it's Rikishi. <laughs> <laughs> just to so, be clear, uh, by the way, also just to be clear, last week we talked about uh, favourite live wrestling experiences and you had a lot of good experience with fake Rikishi. Which one was this? This was the real one, and this came before fake Rikishi, so right, now okay. I can tell the difference for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fake Rikishi was a large white man in a red jumper. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so and then I, I go back and I, I'm panicking. I'm like, I can't, like, I really need to put this into context, especially for any younger listeners that we have who maybe don't quite grasp how mind-blowing it was to have an interaction with a wrestler this time because the wwf and the wwe did not come to the uk or sorry did not come to scotland every year at this point no not they did all. not and you know in and even more rare was an autograph signing so most people who would meet wrestlers were people who would either be able to go to rebellion and insurrection all the time <laughs> my friend robert yeah. or <laughs> who went to the states to go to wrestlemania and that was not us as, as a family growing up we get i get like I seek advice from my cousins and they say, well, here's, you should tread carefully with this because if it's not Rikishi and you show him a picture of him in the magazine, he's going to be offended to say that you look like this man here, this big fat Samoan, you know, rubbing his butt in someone's face. Uh, And it just so happened that that month's WWE magazine or or whichever copy I had, had like a superstar spotlight one page article on Rikishi with a great big picture of him. What are the odds in that? Do you know what I mean? That is amazing incredible so i had the picture and i was able to show my family and say listen i think that's him and so i wanted to go and talk to him but i was too scared to go and talk to him so eventually my cousin nikki uh she says like i'll come with you and your brother and if you can't talk i'll take over i'll tag in and uh, my cousin nice. nikki is so cool for stuff like this um so 
we walk up to him and by this point thankfully he's off the phone and he's just sitting there looking miserable i might add um, <laughs> it, it must be rubbish being a guy of his size you know exactly like, traveling in such a small man's world um and so i went up to him and i can pretty much remember word for word my exact words so i'll try and replicate it in my uh, in the way that i said it excuse me um I'm sorry to bother you, but you look a lot like a wrestler I know, and I was just wondering, are you Rikishi? And I'm shaking at this point. I am so nervous because, again, like, oh my to, God. to be in the presence of, uh, like, this is like meeting Superman for 12-year-old Glenn. Uh, and he looks up, and he goes, yes. And I said... <laughs> Oh, well, would you be okay to sign an autograph on my magazine, please? And he went, sure. So he takes the magazine, he signs it, and I thought, like, and, and I'm actually beaming right now thinking how lucky I was that that was there in that magazine, like that, know, that, that that's thing, mental. you know, because he could have just been signing a picture of Brock Lesnar, you know, if exactly. it wasn't that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he signs it, and then he, he goes, so where are you guys headed? And that's where I froze. Because uh, I forgot where we were going, <laughs> freaking <laughs> Disneyland, um, and uh, and so then my cousin Nikki steps in, and you know Nikki has lived in the, the states for like a long time now, but you can't take the East Coast ride out of her, so she was like giving it, kind of, oh, we're off to Disneyland, off to Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, and uh, and then he's just like, okay, enjoy, and then uh, that was it, and I was beaming, and of course this is two thousand and three. I couldn't just text Robert and say, because I didn't even have a phone, I don't think, at that point, to say yeah. that I met Rikishi. So I had to hold on to this for, for weeks, like like a week and a half before I could tell anyone that would care about it. Um, and I just remember us all getting up to go to our gate via a Starbucks and my dad saying, oh, there's your man away. And we turned around and we just saw him grabbing his bag and, and walk off. Uh, and that would be my last ever interaction with Rikishi until last year when he uh, he did a cameo video for for my friend Robert's birthday. Oh, of course, uh, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Where he called him Robert Strong as opposed to Robert Strang, but you can't have everything. So, like that was my <laughs> first ever encounter for a wrestler. I still have the signed uh, magazine page. It's a little bit faded now, signed in black biro. I'll uh, pop it up on the Instagram. How about that? Please but, do. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a cherished childhood memory. It means so much to me. That's um, that's a brilliant story. It's those sort of interactions that you kind of dream about, and it's almost like mm. if you were to go back to school and tell someone that story, they wouldn't believe you. It's that good. Um, yeah, Robert didn't believe me until I showed him the autograph, and even at yeah. that, he was cynical. That's, that's brilliant. I think Rikishi is absolutely awesome. I think he's so underrated. Um, we kind of texted about this earlier in the week, but we want to do an episode where we're going to talk about obscure favorite wrestlers, like yeah. maybe some like people we like that we maybe like don't get the recognition from all these people that maybe they should do, but maybe just have a sort of personal attachment to us. And Rikishi's got to be on my list. I've always had a soft spot for him, and I always liked the dancing. I loved the theme song. I loved the sort of the character yeah. and his matches. I mean, for for a big guy, he was unbelievably athletic. He um, was such a good, a bit like Umaga, like in the ring, he was just yeah. so good and shouldn't be that good for his size, you know? So um, I'm looking forward to that episode as well. I'd love to meet Rikishi, man. That's such a funny story. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, I look forward, I'd love to talk about Rikishi more because there's there's a quite a few, you know, so down the line, that'd be a good thing to do. Uh, but I'm also looking forward to the next time we, we do meet a wrestler. I'd like to hear another a story from you next time. 
Yeah, well, I think between the both of us, we've got a bunch of interesting and funny stories and cringe-worthy stories from meeting wrestlers. So that's going to be a fun one to kind of revisit those, those stories from over the years. Um, and ter- moving along now, in terms of uh, what we've been watching this week in the wrestling world, on the network or on YouTube or whatever, this is a, a segment we like to do where we kind of catch up with each other in terms of what we've been watching. And we encourage anybody out there who's been watching anything interesting, unique, funny, underrated in terms of wrestling to get in touch with us on twitter at wrestleconnect1 or on instagram at wrestleconnection you can get us on there that's probably our most active social media accounts so if you want to get in touch with the show get us on there uh, for me this week it's been not as crazy as the past couple of weeks where i've been watching <laughs> random wcw and wwe pay-per-views however mm-hmm. i'm continuing my sort of attitude era watch through and um I kind of spoke about this a couple weeks ago that sometimes when I'm watching wrestling, I just kind of have a bit of an epiphany. I just kind of have this moment where I'm just like, something just clicks and just makes sense now. Um, And it's like a philosophy of a certain type of wrestling that's happened to me and a bunch of times in my wrestling fandom. Uh, This past week happened to me and it is uh, about the Attitude Era itself. And I have come to the realization that the Attitude Era, uh, much like the MCU, has three phases right okay so you know if you want to watch you know iron man one or hulk or even thor one you know Mm -hmm. you're kind of early on in the story and then as you're gonna get into the captain america films and ant-man gets involved and spider-man gets involved you kind of you found your rhythm you're now watching marvel you're now you know all the characters you love all the in jokes you're getting ready for something and then when you get to civil war infinity war end game captain marvel black panther it's like the absolute like peak and now we're moving on from it. Um, I think the actually there is like that. You have 97 to sort of mid 98. That's you kind of like your development stage. You know, we're yeah, swearing absolutely. for the first time. We're seeing blood for the first time. Oh my God, it's such a novelty. Oh my God. There's all these kind Austin's of like sexual... Got Austin's got a gun. You've got Austin bleeding all over the place and things like yeah. that. You know, you've got like sexual innuendos and some nudity here and there. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is on the wrestling. Then... You get to like mid ninety eight to, you know, let's see, from mid ninety eight to say late two thousand, and mm-hmm. that's like absolute peak attitude era. You know, everybody is over. All the stars all out the sh- all throughout the show. The stories sort of intertwining with each other. Every pay per view is awesome. Uh, arenas are sold out everywhere. It's peak attitude era, and then you get kind of like two thousand one, early two thousand and two when it's like we're just kind of like getting the last remaining aspects of the Attitude Era and we're moving on to something new. And uh, I've discovered that's that's never a thing. So this week I watched a Raw from September 14th, 1998. And uh, because recently, a couple weeks ago, I talked about SummerSlam 98 and I said that's like peak Attitude Era. I'm taking that back now. SummerSlam 98 is the start of phase two of the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Um, because at SummerSlam 98, that's when this big show happens, and I was talking about there's a buzzer in that show, and you've got Austin versus Taker, and you've got Rock versus Triple H, and there's these big matches, and people are starting to just be become megastars. Then, for two weeks, Raw airs on a Saturday, which always blows my, always blows my mind, and it's like, why was yeah. it a Saturday? It's Monday Night Raw, but no, this, for two weeks after SummerSlam 98, it was Saturday Night Raw, right? Um, and they were taped whenever they were taped. The first mm-hmm. Raw back being live on a Monday is September 14th, 1998. And if you're bored in quarantine and you just want to watch some Attitude Era, here's a good example. 
September 14th, 98 Raw, first time being live after SummerSlam on a Monday, is absolutely unreal television. Just in terms of everybody on this card, it's just super over. There's so many stories, there's so many aspects, there's different builds to the future pay-per-views, you're getting seeds planted to like Survivor Series, which is two months down the line. Um, yeah. It's the first time The Rock is absolutely... He, he, he's cheered. He's like you, you'd think he was the biggest babyface in the company. By he, he wrestles Kane, who is a big heel at the time, and The Rock's reactions, things like to the people's elbow and that sort of thing, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's the first time since, and first time uh, like full stop, that people were that behind The Rock, you know. Yeah. Um, and then they do the swerve later on at Survivor Series where he turns heel again. But like how hot he was, and it just shows you how good he was as a babyface as well, because he goes from being top heel to top face to heal again and it's just so good and so popular that it becomes top face again um when he when he after like sort of wrestling in a 15 and that sort of time but i love this yeah. episode of raw random show i was watching this week but i just fell in love with all the characters again i was getting into the matches the main event is stone cold versus ken shamrock for the wwf championship um such, such an incredible raw great tv something for everybody there's a bit of everything and uh, it's just what, you know, it makes me miss wrestling audiences more. So that was me this week. What about you? What have you been checking out this week? I know you watched a very distinctive show, didn't you? A very distinctive show? No, you've lost me. Uh, was it not a UK pay-per-view? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, God, I've, I've managed, full disclosure, I have wrestling on a lot in the background right now, especially yeah. like when I'm working. It's really good for background mm. stuff. So, I uh, I did watch Insurrection 2002 this past week, which uh, was the last WWF pay-per-view. Um, and then I've also watched, I've gone through Judgment Day 2002 this week as well. Uh, which is an insane pay-per-view, uh, yeah. which had, brings back a lot of fun memories. And uh, I'm now currently, I, I want to talk about this for a second. I'm currently on the SmackDown, uh, it's an episode of SmackDown in 2002, between Judgment Day and King of the Ring. It's the SmackDown just before the Raw where Undertaker wrestles Jeff in that match that you spoke about a few weeks back, or was it last mm-hmm. week maybe, uh, a couple weeks ago. And, um, so, and I know that's coming because they've set that up in the previous Raw. But on this episode of SmackDown, there's a little wee storyline happening uh, where Tajiri and Tori Wilson have split up. And <laughs> I know, why, why was that a thing? <laughs> I know, right? And uh, Tori is now dating Maven. Yes, she, uh, yes, she did. <laughs> yes. Now, Maven has a sore foot. So Maven's in hospital. He's, he's, he's in bed in hospital. And Tori comes to pay him a visit. Tajiri, being the jealous ex-boyfriend, <laughs> gets really annoyed about this and infiltrates the hospital and tries to find Maven, but nobody can understand them and nobody's letting him in to see Maven. <laughs> so Tajiri's big, 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 uh, you know, plot to get to Maven and to presumably get his revenge on Maven and Tori is to dress up like a doctor. And yeah. this is almost, and this, when I watched this, first of all, I had no memory of this ever happening. And when I watched it, it joined a few dots in my mind. So this this quick anecdote is going to go in a couple of directions, but I will keep it brief. Uh, so Tajiri dresses up like a doctor, stethoscope, white jacket and all, and gets mistaken <laughs> by some other doctors for being a real one. And there's a medical emergency in another room and he gets whisked away to perform surgery. And uh, they said, no, there's no time, doctor. You have to come. And this is exactly what happens in the 1998 comedy film, Bean, the ultimate disaster movie. Oh my God, so it does. 
No, you might think that's a loose connection, but now I need to take you back a few years uh, to Inside <laughs> oh the Rope Show. One of the first ever, and not the first one, but it's one of the early Inside the Rope shows that uh, Kenny McIntosh and Co. ran in Glasgow was with Colt Cabana. And it was when Colt was over promoting his match with Grado, his first ever match that he had in Edinburgh. Yeah. And Colt told the story uh, that from something that he'd heard when he, from his brief time in WWE. So again, full credit for all of this goes to Inside the Ropes. If you are, for some reason, not aware of Inside the Ropes, subscribe to them go to their live shows when this is all over and nobody does better. Great podcast as well. So Cole tells the story that apparently Vince McMahon is a huge fan of Mr. Bean. Ah. And he loves Mr. Bean. So it makes so much sense that this this pastiche of Mr. Bean would happen on this episode. And then Cole, <laughs> Cole then said, you know what? And sometimes when I'm bored, I just like to think about Vince McMahon sitting back in his couch watching Mr. Bean and then Colt sits back and he does this spot on impression of McMahon which I'm going to butcher and it's just him looking at like a non-existent telly going Linda Linda look at Bean Uh, so oh my. all those dots were joined. So as uh, and and uh, full full disclosure, spoiler here, folks. Uh, Tajiri does find his way to Tori and Maven, and Tori gets yeah. uh, covered in the mist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Asuka, eat your heart out. So um, it's uh, it doesn't end well for the young lovers. But uh, in terms of Mister Bean tributes on SmackDown, it's probably my favorite. That's what Mr. I've been watching. Bean. This week. <laughs> Mister Bean is one of my favorite programs of all time. It mm. uh, really inspired me to kind of get into performing and Ron Atkinson himself. I'd probably say it's my favourite actor of all time. He's um, incredible, isn't he? In terms of like his live stuff and his theatre work and that sort of thing. Um, but every time I think of Tajiri, I think of two things. Always having excellent theme songs. <laughs> and uh, and also, <laughs> WrestleMania 21, uh, when, he, when it's the taxi driver advert commercial, like WrestleMania 21 goes Hollywood's oh, advert God. thing. And a uh, movie movie trailer, that's what I was looking for. And it, everyone's going, are you talking to me? And Tajiri goes, golly, do not. That guy should be in the Hall of Fame. He had so many great moments in America. Like, I mean, I know nothing next to nothing about his Japanese career. But <laughs> I know he was a great wrestler, technically. But his character stuff in WWF and WWE was just amazing and that's we're oh, still laughing brilliant. about it now i know so yeah. I, and he always he always had like brilliant kicks didn't he because like the, the kind of trunks he used to wear were really good for slapping yeah gr <laughs> wouldn't be a fan but yes he yeah. was good he was good at that they did sound vicious yeah anyway shout out to tajiri um oh we need to very get under the introduction right that's oh my, my mission God. I want, oh my God. that is it we need to tajiri to do an introduction for this show oh god I know, listen, the things that get the most attention for the podcast on social media are the, are the intros, so we need to try and, we need to spend, we need to go broke booking them every here's, week. Here's me texting you going, like, we could we get, you know, uh, Brian Myers or Cedric Alexander, or maybe we could really invest and get a big name like a Kevin Owens. No, yeah. we want to Jerry. <laughs> Don't need to know. Right, uh, it's time to be thankful for something in the wrestling industry. Kate, please sing us a song. What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh yeah. Yes, ladies and gents, it is time for uh, for me to be thankful for something in the wrestling industry. And right now I'm thankful for Tajiri. 
Um, but that's <laughs> yeah. not what I've written down this week. Uh, I'm going very generic this week, and I think a lot of these things in terms of the recommendations for Match of the Week and for what we're thankful for, I mean, they're really just teasers for you know being full episodes somewhere down the line. Um, but what I'm thankful for this week is very simple, wrestling theme songs. Ah. Um, because currently the WWE on BT Sport Twitter account is doing like a World Cup of wrestling theme songs. Oh, I've seen and this, yes. It's like very controversial. They've, they've, they've decided on what, 32 theme songs and then every single day they're doing like round of 16, round of eight semifinals and it's going to be final tomorrow. And I've been voting every day and a lot of the times the ones I want to win haven't been winning and I've mm. not been very happy about it. But that being said, it's just kind of got me thinking about greatest theme songs of all time. So I guess we really should be thankful for Michael Hayes, who started it all in the 80s, in the early 80s. Yeah. And then um, when he was with the Freebirds in the song, I guess it was Bad Street USA or just Freebird the song, he used to play in the venues and they were just, I mean, obviously it's before both of our time, but... Um, they were just crazy over. And then Hulk Hogan brought it to the WWF. He was the kind of first one in WWE to have, you know, a theme song with Real American and then ended up being, you know, Piper had one and then Macho Man Randy yep. Savage had one then Ricky Steamboat had one then Dusty Rhodes had one and so on and so forth. Everybody kind of had their own theme song. But thinking back now, it's really, really hard to imagine wrestling without wrestlers having theme songs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even things like Royal Rumbles. Like yeah. the, the music is such a big part of that now. It's the countdown and then the music. And if it's, there might be a wee pause like we had with The Edge return this year. Yeah. You know, the music is such a big part of it now. And, you know, we, we, we're we lucky that we are spoiled for choice of wrestling now. But it would be unusual for a wrestling company to start out now and not have theme music. Even yeah. really <laughs> wrestle-centric promotions like Ring of Honor have theme music. It's, yeah, it's yeah, become yeah. a staple. Even um, PWG, who don't even film, but they film them, but they don't even put the entrances on the DVDs. Uh, what mm -hmm. they do is like they'll just cut to like a graphic, and then by the time the graphics over, both wrestlers are in the ring. Um, but in the venue, they still play the music, you know, for the crowd. Um, yeah. But people always go on about the 1992 Royal Rumble, right? How yeah. it's like the greatest rumble of all time because everybody, all thirty participants were like megastars, and it's true they're all incredibly over. Plus, you've got Bobby Heenan on commentary. It's um, a great match, great Royal Rumble. However, it doesn't rank up the, the you know the top for me because all the other Royal Rumbles have theme songs. You know, yeah. Um, you know when Ric Flair comes out, it's just this mad weird cowbell thing. Whereas, like, if someone was to come out like Edge or Drew or Lesnar or whoever this year. The song was playing and it brings energy to the match and an atmosphere yeah. to the arena and makes the crowd go nuts and adds to the performance, you know. Um, and it's become, you know, wrestling theme songs have actually, a lot of the time, become some of just my favourite songs in general, you know, to listen yeah. to. Um, do you have any random, you know, favourite theme songs that you can kind of give the listeners a wee tease about before we do a full episode on theme songs? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be a big one down the line. Uh, I've got obscure ones that I love, and I've got, like, obvious ones that I love. And, you know, Jim Johnston, the old oh, composer, deserves, he deserves it because, you know, like some of the classics like Ultimate Warrior. Uh, one of my absolute favorites has always been uh, Loaded, the, the Hardy Boys original theme. Oh, yes. Um, and it's never been included on any of their official CDs or anything like that, which baffles me. Um but what I will say about the Hardy Boys one, that's like it's a really nostalgic a nostalgic tune. However, No More Words and Live For The Moment, their individual theme songs, oh, I yeah. equally as love. I love to listen to Live For The Moment, but the full version on Forcible Entry that has yeah, the yeah, acoustic yeah. introduction. 
yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's spine chilling stuff like absolutely and, you know i'm not i don't really like it's just a personal thing i'm not always that comfortable talking about benoit just it's just oh, a man weird personal thing but the uh, our lady peace song uh whatever one of the best ones ever incredible and the, the thing that always annoyed me is that when benoit would come to the ring uh, you would never hear the chorus because he always would march down so quickly. Uh, yeah. And that's such a great chorus. And I suppose that, that celebration at WrestleMania 20 is all the more poignant for having, giving you the chance to hear that song, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of nowadays, I think the, the, the composers are called the CFOs and yeah. uh, they, they've produced some unbelievable theme songs, but they don't get the credit because they're not Jim Johnson. You know, yeah. they're behind AJ Styles' theme song, Kevin Owens' theme song, Nakamura's theme song, like Sami Zayn's. Nakamura. Just brilliant. Well, I, Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode, Finn Balor as Oh, well. my God. That's an incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. theme. Undis- Undisputed Era. I used to walk to work to the Finn Balor theme. Yeah. Uh, and fun fact, when, when Pokemon Go was popular in 2016, I say when it was popular, I still play it, full disclosure. Um, <laughs> it's never As a teacher, it's never a cool moment when kids catch you playing Pokemon Go. Uh, <laughs> not during a lesson, can I stress? I mean, like, like <laughs> and about. Um, I'll, I'll come and help you in a minute. I just need to cat Pikachu. Pikachu. Uh, <laughs> no, um... I used to listen to like the the the, the Nakamura theme uh, when when playing Pokemon Go because it just seemed to go well that kind of Japanese theme with a Japanese product. So um, yeah, it was uh, like that's something that oh god, I could talk about music for ages. So yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to that. That's a great choice for something to be grateful for. Also, I love a lot of the AEW ones that don't get a, a lot of love, like um, Cody Rhodes' current one is just the best in the business. And then you've got people like um, Pax one and the Lucha Bros. And I mean, Jericho's own song, Judas, is his theme song. Yeah, yeah. Just um, some brilliant stuff. So yeah, that's what I'm thankful for this week. But as uh, as every week we talk about these things for a couple of minutes, we have to talk about them for an hour and they will have their own episodes. Don't you worry yeah, about absolutely. it, son or daughter. Um, Fantastic. Um, you want to recommend the match? Go- uh, I will do, but I think it's time for this week's toilet break. I think it's time for this week's toilet break. <laughs> Should that get its own jingle? Uh, I think that's a good idea. Get get oh Kate God. to make one. <laughs> right. I'm going to ask my wife. Not right now. I'm going to nip to the loo. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this week's toilet break. I hope everybody had a nice time. Glenn, it's time to recommend the football. It's time to recommend the nice people a match. Wrestling recommendations. Wrestling recommendations. Wrestling recommendations. Match of the week. Oh yeah. <laughs> thank you chris yes i do hope everyone had a nice time and i do hope everyone washed their hands ah, yes. um match recommendation uh, this one comes again from from 2002 just because it whereas i will in weeks to come i think throw in ones from other parts of wrestling history here and there this era is so ingrained in my consciousness right now because it's i'm watching it quite a lot as i work for lockdown and so forth um and i want to mention a match which fits into a particular genre but it never gets the credit that it deserves for a very unfortunate reason. I'm talking about Monday Night Raw from the 27th of May 2002. I'm talking about a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship, pitting off the Battle of the Frog Splashes, Rob Mm -hmm. Van Dam versus Eddie Guerrero, a recently returned Eddie Guerrero at that point. Uh, You know, Chris, this was a, a, a weird... A weird, uh, a weird time for the WWE at this point, uh, because the, the 
the brand extension had just started and WWE were still using all the marketing and basing it around The Rock and Austin. But Austin was just about to walk out and he wasn't really main event at this point. In fact, he was feuding with Guerrero. So very yeah, much yeah, card. Yeah. Um, and uh, The Rock was away. He was making films at this point and he would come back soon after this. But it was a real chance for other talent to be showcased and this was the main event of raw this this closed the show which i didn't realize until i went to rewatch it this time around and i think it's a shame because when people talk about the greatest ladder matches of all time i almost never hear this match getting mentioned and people only seem to remember it for the fact that a fan ran in at one point during the match <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> and i'm actually delighted that that's still there in the network if you go and watch it because yeah, that, that stuff gets trimmed out and i think rightfully so but it's it's quite cool because I mean, I mean anyone, anyone who tries to get themselves involved in a wrestling show, I'm sorry, but you're an absolute muppet. Like <laughs> you do not get more stupid than that. Um, but why you would run into a match with Eddie Guerrero, a notorious hothead who will, <laughs> you know, hold nothing back uh, if he gets peeved off at you? Like I have no idea. Um, and that that moment happens at a really climactic point in the match, and it is unfortunate. But I just remember thinking, well, having watched it this week, that this is so much more than just that moment, which is what everyone talks about. It's a great ladder match because it has aggression, it has a lot of roughness, but it has some good technical wrestling as well. It takes a long time for the ladder to actually get in the ring, um, and it has all the acrobatics that you would expect from a ladder match as well. It is the battle of the frog splashes. It's Guerrero and Van Dam. The result I won't give away, um, but it's a great match, um, a great outcome, and uh, it's really kind of wrapped up in all of its time. Both guys are totally in their prime. Um, RVD's, uh, you know, really kind of, they're, they're, you can tell that they're, they've got big hopes for him. And the yeah. same for Guerrero as well, because he's feuding Boston at this point. It's do yourselves a favor, go and watch Rob Van Dam, Eddie Guerrero, Monday Night Raw, May 27th, 2002. And yes, you will see the fan in, interruption, but it doesn't take too much away from the match. And you'll hopefully come to my way of thinking and realize that this does deserve to be spoke about in terms of the greatest ladder matches of all time. And it doesn't deserve to be solely remembered for one kind of blooper. I actually enjoy it more than like Sean and Razor, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please go and watch that folks. Go and watch it. Are you, are you familiar with the match that I'm talking about? I take it. You must be. Absolutely. It's a great ladder match. And uh, it's one of those ones where you, it does get overlooked all the time because it was on raw. Um, yeah. Also, TLC four that you'll see later in two thousand two, you yeah. know, always gets overlooked. It's it's unbelievable. There's one with Van Dam and Christian, I believe, from two thousand and three, that gets overlooked mm. a lot. Um, you know, for, for for obvious reasons, but it's definitely it's not a moment where Eddie does like the sunset flip power bomb over the top of oh, the ladder. God, it's amazing, and it, it, he just you know that's this was always the case with Eddie sunset flips, but he just manages to twist. At what seems yeah. like the last possible moment so you really think he's about to break his neck but yeah the guy's a pro and he clearly knows what he's doing and he knows how to just execute that in a way that kind of has you on the edge of your seat there's a lot of incredible spots in that match um incredible like I, I can't i don't want this to just be me talking about saying something's amazing for five minutes but it is go and yeah. watch it it's an absolute masterpiece I guess the reason it was on last is because Van Damme was so over and like later on in that year he goes on to wrestle Triple H a bunch for the world title 
That's and right. uh, you could probably argue, I think it's unforgiven to they have that title match. You could probably argue Correct. that they should have put the title on him then because he was so over. I don't think he ever reached the popularity that he was in that sort of time in 2002 again. Um, I think so. so. If there was ever a time to pull the trigger, that would have been it. And yeah. obviously, we know that he did get a world title run, but that that in itself is marred with how it had to end. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I would also argue that as much as he was a popular guy and over in 2006 i don't think he was quite as hot as he was yeah. in 2002 you um you mentioned about fans running into the ring um last week i talked about an experience at an icw show uh, in 2010 where it was just mental and i kind of fell in love with like independent wrestling that day oh yeah um there was a moment where kid fight who we know very well kid fight was in the ring and he was in full character full heel on the mic, swearing and throwing things at whoever he was shouting at, and he was in full kid fight character. And there was these guys sitting behind us that were absolutely out their face steaming. And uh, one of them just went, I'm going to go and tackle kid fight, and uh, slid into the ring. Kid fight stopped mid-sentence and full-on booted him in the face as the guy was running it in the ring. Like He kind of like slid under the bottom rope, and kid fight just like kind of took like a penalty and just kicked the guy's face off. Uh, and and that was the rest Good. of the promo about how you shouldn't be jumping in the ring. So there you go. I thought, wee wee story. Like I, I, but I'm totally listen. I uh, I am a pacifist. I don't I do not condone violence at all. Yeah. But like you know, you you don't go and see like like a Shakespeare play, and as soon as like Hamlet's dad dies, you jump in and call the police and start battering you know whoever whoever committed the crime. It's making a run. It's not. It's just it's so disrespectful and. This is the thing, like, I there's a lot I love about wrestling, and I want to keep this podcast positive, but, man, see people who are too drunk at wrestling shows? Oh, man. I, I hate it. it and it's, it happens at ICW, it happens at WWE shows. Even when Inside the Ropes run stuff, there's often always a drunk guy, and it never ruins the show. And they're often really good at dealing with it, and, and increasingly, actually, you see these people getting papped out, which is great to see. But, like, that... <laughs> I, I just i just don't get it it's just like I, I i like to go to these shows i like to have a drink at these shows but i don't i don't get behind that so for you to get yourself into such a state where you do something stupid like that i mean you're just asking for trouble you're asking to get hurt if you put yourself into an environment because the the most trained professional wrestlers can't avoid injury so if you're gonna fling yourself in there like an idiot then you are you are asking for a lot of trouble at the last Inside the Rope show that we both went to, which was grilling GR live with GR and Conrad, um, <laughs> when when me and you met up at the start of the show, moments before, a guy fell down the stairs, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was already drunk, but somehow managed to make his way into the show. GR and Conrad came out, Kenny's there, they're doing like their, their stuff, they're taking questions from the crowd and that sort of thing. And this guy is just heckling and falling asleep at the same time. It's like, how yeah, did that even happen? It's amazing. I remember seeing him fall asleep because one thing that had actually happened earlier in the night, I'd, I'd nipped outside to, this is before the guy was let back in, I'd nipped outside to phone my wife and uh, I saw him giving the security guards like hell outside the classic yeah. grand. Uh, then he gets back in and when he fell asleep, I went up to one of the staff, uh, Jennifer Louise, and said, that guy, he's, he's asleep. I think I think he needs help. Um, <laughs> and then and then he eventually got papped out and all his pals just stayed there and kept making a noise. And the, the icing on the cake for me is that I then went on to listen to the Inside the Ropes podcast uh, and Kenny told the story about these idiots. And apparently they tried to sneak backstage 
after oh the show God. to get selfies with JR, which, you know, if you don't know how Inside the Robes works, folks, there's different types of pricing. Like you can pay to just go to the show or you can pay to a bit extra to meet the performer and to get a picture and an autograph. So like that's a privilege you pay for. You pay to get some interaction with these stars and you pay to get a photograph. And Inside the Robes, they, they're not paying me, trust me, but I'm a, I'm such a huge fan. Uh, like so apparently like they, they were told where to go very quickly but yeah there's, it just seems like there's always one guy who has to ruin it for everyone well chris you there hello chris can't hear you texting you now buddy it's still going well this is interesting folks of course none of this will end up in the podcast but uh Chris is hopefully going to reappear soon. Hello, Botchamania. Okay, we had a bit of an uh, audio scare there, but uh, we seem to be back up and running. Can you hear me nice and clear, my friend? I can hear you. That was really the shock master of our podcasting. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> uh, we, we nearly lost the last like hour's worth of recording there, and Chris and I both had a minor meltdown, which yeah. will the audio of which will never see the light of day. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we are working in troublesome times. This is the quarantine and we are in lockdown. So we uh, we, we deal with a hand we are dealt, ladies and gents, and <laughs> we seem to be okay now. So let's, let's keep going. We haven't even mentioned the main crux of this episode. Um, you only know it by the title of the episode on your lovely podcasting outlet, whatever you are listening to this on. And uh, we thought we would spend some time getting a very generic topic out of the way rather early in our podcast career. And uh, we thought we'd talk about our favourite wrestlers of all time. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about our favourite matches. Then we went on to talk about some live events, live wrestling yep. experiences. And now it's time to talk about the actual performers and superstars themselves. And uh, much like last week, we're doing something a little bit different in terms of how we put together these lists. We kinda, we kinda, we've not ranked them. We've not made a top 10. We're just kind of going for... You know the uh, any any wrestlers that have ever impacted us, any ones that have had particular, you know, if we have a fondness for them, if they've had a impact on our life, on our fandom, we're just going to talk about them and why we like them, and yep. uh, you know, there's no real limitations. So here we go. Absolutely, this is this is a very personal like list. It's very much. It's not like the top ten wrestlers of all time. It's it's a personal thing, isn't it, Chris? Yes, indeed, and. Uh, I don't. If I was to ask you just on the street, if I was just to go, Glenn, who's your favourite wrestler of all time? Who would you say? Here's your clue. Okay, so that was a can opening. <laughs> uh, it could be beer money. But it's not. Um, okay, it's not James Storm or Bobby Roode. <laughs> uh, it could be, who else? Does, it could be Mark Eaton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could have done two things, mate. I could have opened the can or I could have smashed the glass. But uh, no, I know, I know, I know who you're talking about. It's the, it's the bionic redneck of all people, of course, absolutely. He was my guy growing up. But Chris, you know, before we go any further, if I was to do the same to you, what would your answer be? I'll give you a clue. Oh, how am I gonna do this? Um, <laughs> okay, you can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes to the back of my head. Wait, I can't see you, John Cena. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, here's, here's your clue. Dum, dum. <laughs> Is it Moldy Mark? 
No, it, yes, it is indeed. It's The Undertaker, <laughs> the American badass. It's uh, my favourite wrestler of all time. Yeah, and I, I have to make that clear. American badass taker is my favourite taker. That's so funny because Undertaker's on my list. So why don't we start off with him? And, and the reason why I'm glad that you say that is because even though for me, I first became aware of The Undertaker as the dead man through like playing WWF Warzone, something that I mentioned a few weeks ago when I yeah. spoke about my wrestling story. Um, I The Undertaker that I fell in love with was in the year 2000. You know, uh, that's when I was following everything I could. And that was kind of give me anything wrestling. And of course, that was American Badass. He was so cool like yeah uh, it's uh, and that's why it meant so much to see that persona kind of be resurrected this year at mania uh just so cool i once had a dream that um my best friend robert who i've seemed to mention a lot in this podcast that his dad was the undertaker uh all right and i asked him what kane's face looked like and uh, (laughs) he came to my primary school but the undertaker did not come to my primary school uh so you know but you you're 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 the one who would say that he's your goat he's your favorite so like what is it about the dead man not the dead man sorry the badass uh particularly that appealed to you i think he just comes off as like the coolest and most respected and almost as if he's in charge you know what i mean Mm. um and I kind of talked about this on episode one when we were talking about wrestling stories about how, you know, my cousin kind of got me into wrestling and his favorite wrestler was Undertaker. So I wanted to, you know, support his favorite football team. I wanted to watch his favorite movies. I wanted to watch his favorite TV shows. And I wanted to have the same favorite wrestler as him. So yeah. from an early age, I just went with Undertaker. Okay, yeah, he's my favorite. But as time went on, you know, obviously you get your nostalgia kicked to it. Not to mention how great of a performer he is. Uh, the greatest gimmick of all time, you know, it's a, it's essentially it's a silly gimmick that was, you know, that was given to him in the early 90s that was, you know, synonymous that time for being silly gimmick central and everybody yeah. having a job and everybody having a, a manager and everybody having this particular <clears throat> thing to do. And it was just handing one. One was like a red rooster and one was a chicken and one was a tugboat and, you know, yeah. one was all these people and then one was a dead guy. You know, and uh, just so happened that me and Mark Catless from WCW got the dead guy gimmick. Who would have thought that that would be the one that lasted? I mean, you can't imagine Duke the Jump Dumpster Drozzy or, or the Goon having a yeah. streak at WrestleMania. But the answer is in the evolution of the character. And the, even and this is what I love, because people would, would sometimes roughly divide The Undertaker's character into three kind of stages. But even within those stages, there was evolution. There are different variants of the American Badass. You know, yeah. and I'm not just talking about you know him going from Kid Rock to Limp Biscuit to the kind of uh, the Jim Johnson badass. You're gonna pay. You're gonna pay. You've you've done it now, Chris. You, you've gone and made a big mistake, and I, I can't that. allow for you to think that you can just turn uh, walk away. So what's the next I remember <laughs> earlier this year <laughs> when they were doing they were building to the Boneyard match, and AJ mentioned Michelle McCool. And all the Twitter accounts were going, oh, AJ, you've done it now. You've <laughs> gone and made a big mistake. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Listen, uh, people give that theme song a hard time. I loved that song back in the day. Listen. And I loved Rolling. That, that's one of my favourite theme songs of all time. We talked about it earlier on this show. Rolling is one of, and not just my favourite theme songs, favourite songs, but also in terms of the entrance itself. The place would just be electric when that song was on. 
it was great. Like this is the thing, Undertaker. Like so, badass first shows up at Judgment Day two thousand, and it's the Kid Rock theme, and yeah. that was always cool because like fa- you could see the fans raising their hands in sync to the the, the kind of yeah like, the, the, the 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 words of the song. But then what, rolling for me was the more synonymous sort of uh, Undertaker badass theme. Uh, and that that was like that hit it for me because he debuted that theme song in two thousand, when that song was a huge hit. Like that, this is the, a song that was number one, I think, in the UK or at least in the top five. And I used to dance to uh, like in the primary seven disco. I still remember dancing to Rolling, and I couldn't believe yeah. it because at my primary seven school disco, they didn't play the friendly version, so all the swears were in it, what? and we were our minds were blown. I don't think they knew that the DJ was going to do this. The same with Teenage Dirtbags, 2000 and 2001. Those were good years for kind of uh, pop rock, new metal, all that kind of stuff. Um, And so, like, that's kind of a song of my childhood. This is when I was wee, though, and I used to do the Glen charts in my own bedroom. I didn't have a lot of friends. The Glen charts. I would would basically do Top of the Pops in my bedroom. And so Roland was number one in the Glen charts for a few weeks, for sure. Yeah. Uh, That's a big accolade to, to give Limp Bizkit. I'm sure Fred Durst is delighted. He'll just, you know, forget the fact that he was a playable character in SmackDown. Uh, just bring I know. <laughs> Did you remember but, when yeah. I think it was SummerSlam 2012, and uh, Fred Durst was in the front row, and they showed him, and they're like, "Oh my God, look, it's Fred Durst! We, we got all the celebrities here at SummerSlam!" And then Fred Durst just gave the cameraman the middle <laughs> finger. <laughs> <laughs> such a Fred Durst thing to do it's so terrible. badass yeah I know you say you're kind of past your clubbing phase but how amazing was it when you were in clubs and Roland came on oh yeah like I, the cat house I don't know if you ever frequented that absolutely like, yeah yeah so the, you know I, I when I was a clubber I used to love that and because different different floors would play different types of rock uh, sometimes it would, there would be bits would be a bit more poppy and some bits would be more heavy and uh yeah it's i would love the floor that would play like those kind of classics from the noughties and, and the 90s and things so yeah that was always a great one uh i funny story a wrestling story about the cat house i remember once being there with a bunch of pals and i think it was a kiss song i think it was like crazy crazy nights like it was that was playing and me and like my friends fojo and jamie jamie sweeney who does the uh the artwork for the wrestling connection we were doing air guitar on the stage uh which yeah, nobody yeah. asked us to do we were just there doing it um and uh we i went to do a jump and a trip to fell my arse uh, <laughs> and i got my very own uf'd up chant at the cat house hell yeah that's, that's such a good story <laughs> So yeah, like I guess there was a lot of ICW fans in that night. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I love when nightclubs. I love when nightclubs and just anything discos or or the radio play wrestling themed songs. Like it just mm. is like oh, yes, it's like a personal song. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, back to the Undertaker himself. Uh, not to mention, the, the, if the undefeated streak wasn't a thing, he'd still be my favorite wrestler. It just considering the fact this unbelievable thing happened. You know, absolutely by coincidence. You know, yeah, uh, it's it's just so cool. And and I've been I was clamoring for American Badass to come back for years, and this year was so perfect. He came to I was I was a little bit gutted that he didn't come out to Rowan, but I mean the Metallica song they used was just perfect, and yeah. uh, I loved it. It just it just looked amazing. He's always just give off given off this kind of energy that he is in charge. He's the boss. He's the man, and. Uh, if you want to do anything in the business, you kind of need to go through him, you know, and that's kind of, I always kind of love that vibe. And as I, as I say that now, I'm talking with my hands here. I know you can't see me, but mm-hmm. uh, I am at my computer desk and my mouse is sitting on a mouse pad and the mouse pad has the Undertaker symbol on it. So there you go. 
Fantastic. It's um, you know, one of the things that I always tried to chase as a as a young wrestling fan was the opportunity to see him live and. I told the story briefly uh, a couple uh, last week actually about going to Rebellion 2001. I was trying to see if I can go a week without mentioning it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember making Robert and I made signs. And this is back in the day where you could just make a sign and, and bring it into the show and there'd be no problems, uh, which you can't really do anymore. You don't see that many signs on WWE program. You see none right now, actually, apart from Byron Saxon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, you know, that's a very much attitude era thing is seeing all these different signs. And you know, I told for God's sake, there was guys bringing a bloody table into the show because they were dressed up as the Dudley Boys. So, you know, you could bring stuff into shows at that time. And uh, Robert made a bunch of signs, like a Kurt Angle one. Actually, it's really funny because Robert made a Kurt Angle sign, but we hadn't seen the episode of Raw that came before it where Angle turned heel and joined the Alliance. So Robert oh, was God. heartbroken where they showed that video package and he just dumped the sign face down. <laughs> uh, it's like, I'm not cheering for him anymore. Um, but I made this massive Undertaker sign, American Badass. So excited that I would see him live. But of course, um, The Undertaker wasn't at Rebellion 2001. Uh, he was headlining a show in the States somewhere at that point uh, Undertaker and Kane wrestled Booker T and Test uh, a house show in the States the same night uh, so when I did finally and I've only ever seen The Undertaker wrestle live once in my life and that was a Smackdown house show in 2008 where he teamed up with Batista and Matt Hardy to fight Mark Henry Edge and MVP and of course uh, Undertaker's entrance was the last one. He was the world heavyweight yeah. champion. It was the WrestleMania Revenge Tour, so he just beaten Edge at WrestleMania 24. And I remember, like, they really milked the entrance. It took him ages to come through the curtain. And Robert and I were sat, like, like maybe fifth row, but like opposite the entrance, so the other side of the arena. And uh, I just remember the moment where I finally kind of saw through the fog and saw the gleam of the and the glint of the big gold belt and then oh, his man. full frame coming into shape i've got goosebumps now talking about it uh and it being a six-man match you get to see all his greatest hits you get to see the the uh the kind of the hot tag entrance, the hat coming off the hot tag the the old school last ride tombstone chokes it was all there and so I, the chances are i will never see the undertaker wrestle again but i'm glad that i've got that one memory do you know what I mean? Like uh, something I'll yeah. always hold on to that I got to see The Undertaker wrestle live at a point in his life where he was still consistently having really good yeah, matches. Yeah. I, uh, I've i seen him a couple of times. Like, I guess I saw him in 2002, as I talked about, but I, I don't remember it that well. I do remember a house show in Glasgow once where he teamed with Triple H and wrestled oh, yeah. Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase in the main event. So that was, that was, a, that was a fun wow. one. But anyway, we need to move on. Undertaker is my favourite wrestler of all time. And funnily enough, Stone Cold Steve Austin is, is third on my top five. Um, so why don't you talk about Austin? Austin for me, uh, it's always it's quite an obvious one. Um, and I think when people talk about their their lists, I think sometimes as wrestling fans, we get tempted to be show how niche we can be. And we deliberately forget about the obvious names. But those names are obvious for a reason, folks. Undertaker and Steve Austin are on everyone's Mount Rushmore for a reason. And uh, I think for me, I, I talked about my wrestling story a few weeks ago and how, you know, uh, WWF Wars on the PlayStation game was a big deal for me getting into wrestling. Uh, and that was like prime Austin era. He was the cover star of that game. 
Uh, and then when I found out that they'd adapted the game into a TV show called Monday Night Raw, um, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, to find out that Austin was really good, and oh god, the guy they've got to play Austin is awesome. Uh, but it was uh, like just it was just the rebellious nature, and I think for me as a kid, I I, I was and I still am, you know, quite um, shy and didn't have a lot of confidence socially. Uh, I think there was some really rebellious escapism to be had in watching this guy who not only was bold as brass but really quite literally stuck the middle finger up to authority something which i could only fantasize about at that age because i was just yeah I, I, I just wasn't that kid as much as i would want to be um so it felt weird to boo him at rebellion 2001 I was more likely to, you know, take my cans of iron brew and bash them together in the playground and pretend I was Steve Austin at the time. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's just, it, it's not really a particular match or a moment. It's he's on my list because he, he it's like he was my first love. He was my first yeah. love in wrestling. Uh, and uh, I probably have more to say about other guys on my list, but I can't not have him on that list. Well, you know... He, that's probably the reason why he did get so big because that was the reason everybody loved him. He was awesome and, you know, he was a great wrestler and he was a great character and he was full of energy. But that sort of living vicariously through him and, like, saying sort of, um, I don't want to swear, but, but, you know, not being a fan of the authority, shall we say, and, and yes. like, slapping your boss in the face and that sort of thing. People just fantasized about it, you know, and they kind of live vicariously through him. Now when I watch him, um, because he, he retired in 03 and I was still very young at the time, but now when I watch him back and they, they released a documentary in 2011 called The Bottom Line on the most popular superstar of all time or whatever. And it's like the mm -hmm. best Blu-ray they've ever done. I'm going to watch it this week, actually, and they're thinking about it. But um, that just sums up him for me. It sums up in terms of a big match wrestler, someone who changed the business, someone who carried the business, someone who every single time he came out, you knew it was special and you knew it was a big deal. Um, and that for me, that's, that's what wrestling's missing these days. You know, real legitimate superstar people who are household names, and Austin yeah. is at the top of that list. Now that you know Shawn Michaels did that match in Saudi Arabia, Austin really is the only guy in wrestling that I can think of who's actually stuck to retirement. Yeah, it's and crazy. I, I think you know he he had a great send off. I don't think he should ever come back. I like the appearances, but I don't want to yeah. see another match. It, it's a storybook ending. Uh, you want to talk about household names? I want to throw one at you right now. An actor by the name of Dwayne Johnson. Nice one. You know, weirdly, Chris, he's not on my list. I, there's loads I could say about him. Really? Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I tried to keep it as personal as I could. So let, let's hear from you. Why why is Rock the Dwayne Johnson on your list? Well, The Rock, uh, when I was younger and, uh, you know, and Undertaker was my favourite wrestler, The Rock was always number two because everybody in my family loved him. My mum and my auntie and, you know, my, my cousin and whoever all fancied him. My cousin and my dad thought he was awesome. God, my mum I thought he was hilarious. I thought he was, his matches were great. He always, you know, wrestling with, you know, people like Taker and, and Austin and that sort of an angle and people like that. And he just, there's, Chris Jericho puts it best. There's no way to describe it. The Rock is just cool, you know. Um, mm. The way he walks, the way the clothes he wears, the, the things he says, the way that he would hold a microphone, the way he would stand on the ropes, everything he did was like, for some reason, I've never seen anybody stand on the ropes like that, <laughs> but it's cool the way he does it. And the fact he still comes back today and still stands on the ropes the same way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the rock. 
Um, I mean, I, I, I try to think in terms of my life and liking individual wrestlers. But now looking back as a sort of objective hindsight being 2020, looking back at The Rock's reactions and, you know, The Rock's entrances and his feuds and his title wins and the moments that he was involved in, there's really no one that can hold a candle to how entertaining he was in terms of being a superstar, in terms of being a WWE top guy. Um, and every single time he comes back, I just I, I get so emotional, I get so into it, because yeah. he is the biggest star that left wrestling. You know, everybody knows who Dwayne Johnson is, and people yeah. go, oh, he used to wrestle. You know what I mean? Like everyone knows who Undertaker is and John Cena and that sort of thing. But they don't but they just they just know them as wrestlers. Yeah. The Rock is known as a worldwide celebrity first. He's known as a as a as a potential future president. He's known as an as an actor, he's known as an entertainer, a yeah. fashion designer, someone who has his own tequila brand. But he started <laughs> yeah. in WWE, you know, and that's what I love about it. And it's just I don't know, I love watching his matches back, I love his segments and um I feel really connected to The Rock, and he's yeah. been doing like uh, Instagram live streams during quarantine. He's been answering questions and, and having drinks with the, the listeners and the watchers and that sort of thing. And um, I just love watching them too. It's like my God, it's the, it's the Rock in his garden talking to everybody. I still he get is. starstruck by him, you know. I would love. He's the kind of guy I'd love to be mates with. The oh, Rock man. is like for me. When you look at his wrestling career, it's really no surprise that he became the star that he was. You know, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, and I, I, there's so many moments that fill me with joy and fill me with laughter. Uh, I think about the Armageddon two thousand promo. Yeah, I think there's just like we could probably spend an hour just talking about about the Rock and his great moments. I remember though when he came back in two thousand eleven and he did that first promo on that night. Yeah, that oh was my a goosebumps God, moment for me. That was incredible. Like that one thing that brought me back into wrestling was that return, that exact moment. You know, and the, the, it was like twenty minutes he went for, and it was just. To know that he can still do it if he wants to is incredible. Like the, the guy uh, oozes talent, and I bloody hope he becomes president. You know, at least most of the states won't start drinking bleach. You know. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> be eating a lot of pie though, if you can put it that way. The people's bleach. Um, but when he came back in 2011, <laughs> I jumped on my tea. <laughs> Sorry. When he when he came back in 2011 and he, and he feuded with Cena, Miz, Punk truth like these people who were like the biggest stars of today i was almost like my current favorites like like punk interacting with my childhood favorite you know and it was almost yeah. like a bit of ch my childhood being injected into the wrestling these days you know and it was just mm. a you know my, my friends who aren't necessarily big rock fans but were huge punk fans um you know never really took too kindly to the rock because of the things he would say about punk and because punk had to put him over for the title and all that stuff and and rock main evented wrestlemania that year when it should have been punk and I get that, but when I look at it, it's like this is The Rock bringing all this attention back to the company, and um, and it, it, again, it's that nostalgia kick to it, you know, mixing current stuff with my childhood stuff. I love it. Um, and now when The Rock comes back, it's so special. When he came back on SmackDown last year and did that thing with Becky and Corbin, loved it. Um, you know, The Rock's just the best. He's so cool, and he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Also, everybody get everyone get Disney Plus and watch Moana. He's excellent in that. Uh, one of, the, I'm gonna one throw of my favourite Disney movies of all time Sorry, Brilliant uh, I'm going to throw one at you now Which I'm pretty sure this guy is going to be on your list uh, My list isn't all guys by the way But I'm going to throw another guy at you uh, And I'm, I'd be surprised if he wasn't on your list He's definitely mainstream But certainly less mainstream than Taker, Rock and Austin 
uh, and this is a personal one for me again. This is Jeffrey Nero Hardy. Uh, I said The Rock was number three on my list. No, who did I say? Austin was number three on my list. Jeff Hardy is my number two. There we go. So, uh, I, I've spoken before about how Robert and I used to pretend we were the Hardys when we were kids. Robert, yep. my, one of my oldest friends, uh, who and we were at primary school together and we would just say that we were the Hardy Boys and we loved them and we still do. Um, and I think my love for the Hardys first came about when the WWF did a like a magazine special on the Hardys and I got to read more about their lives because I always liked them because they were cool and acrobatic. Um, yeah. But Jeff was always like for a kid at that age and, and I say this with the preface that I could not be more of a Matt Hardy fan. I adore Matt Hardy. But Jeff at that time was the more intriguing one because he was quieter but more athletic, and not more athletic, but more um, acrobatic uh, and more uh, it, you know, enigmatic, it has to be said. Yeah. He was a charismatic enigma. Um, and I um, you know, I used to get into really like the colour schemes of the green and the purple for the Hardy Boys. Um and so even though I kind of lived vicariously through Austin in my kind of younger years, when I was a teenager, I kind of started to live vicariously through Jeff because Jeff was cool and he was mysterious and he was offbeat and people liked him. And that's what I wanted to be as a teenager. And th- yeah. I was never that cool. I was never cool at all. Like, uh, But so when you're kind of a socially awkward guy, uh, it kind of makes sense that somebody like Jeff Hardy, who like is intriguing and mysterious and interesting, that's kind of what you you want to model yourself. You want to be that cool and mysterious and interesting. Um, and down the line, I will tell the story of the day I met Jeff Hardy, which was another total social disaster of an episode. Because I was <laughs> sixteen, I was still that teenager who idolized him. And I did not know how to talk to him. And he was in no mood to be talked to, sadly. They say, don't meet your heroes, right? So I will tell that story long form down the line. But uh, yeah, Jeff Hardy's there for me. And he, he still is. And I hope he's still got a few great matches left in him yeah. when he uh, when he gets full-fledged into his current run. Jeff Hardy is an absolute hero. And uh, you just connect with Jeff Hardy. Yeah, you know? this is it. It's just, a je ne sais quoi, isn't it? It's like... Just, I don't know, it's not even the way he speaks or what he says, it's just the way he holds himself, it's just the way he moves, the way he kind of gestures to the people and to the cameras and just holds himself, I don't know, you just relate and connect to Jeff Hardy. Um, I, I love Jeff, I remember when I was younger, when Jeff won the WWE title, I remember jumping up like so high and, and, and crying and just being so happy, not only that he won the title, but I was happy for him, you know? Yeah. And I was still really young at the time when he won the title in 2008, but for some reason, I just got it in that moment. I was like, he has worked so hard for this and uh, he deserves it more than anybody. And he was so over at that time as well. See, mm. 07 to 08, he was in 09 when he left. So over, it was crazy. Yeah. Rockstar, as, as JR used to say, oh, just a rockstar reaction every time he came out. Um, some of the biggest reactions he ever got was when that feud with Randy Orton when he wrestled yeah. in the Royal Rumble 2008. I was desperate for him to win it then. Yeah. That 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 title switch at Armageddon weight though, when when he beats Edge oh, and yeah. Triple H and GR's going mental and commentary and the crowd's going mental and oh my god, it's just magic. It's what wrestling's all about. But for some reason, Jeff Hardy is just you just connect with him no matter who you are. Um, yep. And you know, I think back to my childhood that match with Taker on Raw, the ladder match. I remember watching that match with my dad and like shouting at the TV, wanting him to win. And you know, there was a there was a one lady piece music video called. Um, uh, what's it called? Not enough. I think it was called Not Enough. 
uh, like a music video to him back that yeah. back in that sort of time. I just I fell in love with that as well. Um, and currently he was injured. He came back right before WrestleMania to, with no audience there, which was random. Then yeah. WrestleMania happened, and of course it wasn't booked because it was they didn't have enough time to build to a story. Now they're doing these sort of video packages every week, building up to his return, and I think it's happening either this week or, or well, we can't talk about it. I guess it's going to be out of date by the time it's coming up. But in yeah. the next couple of weeks, Jeff Hardy is going to be coming back, and apparently he's getting his old theme song back, "No More Words" by Endeavor After, and that oh, theme, and so. that theme song like defines that time in my life. You know, that's what I was talking about earlier on about songs becoming some of my favorite songs ever. You know, when I hear that song, I think about that time when I was so obsessed with Jeff Hardy. So I so hope he brings it back. That I would love to see that happening. When he plays uh, concerts with his band, he covers that yeah. song. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. I saw that on YouTube. Yeah, it's just it's a bit weird, but it's cool. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I don't imagine HBK doing a live rendition of Sexy Boy anytime soon. No, I know. As much as I would love to see that. But yeah, that, that it's um, we can't take any way, anything away from Jeff. And like I say, I do, I do hope that not only does he have some great matches in this run, but I hope that his run extends to when we get live audiences back because what yeah. i think jeff deserves is the the big send-off in his final match and i'm not saying that has to happen in this run but at the same time the guys uh, in his early 40s now he maybe might be starting to think about winding down a little bit uh, especially the fact that he must have put his body through so much over the years so i hope he gets that kind of big send-off that he rightly and richly deserves yeah um we do a couple more than caught a day let's do it do you want to go uh, you want to talk about CM Punk? Why not? He was my backup, so you brought him to the table, my friend. Uh, let's let's hear what you have to say about Chicago made well, punk. CM Punk, I'm not going to say changed my wrestling fandom. I know he probably did for you because he kind of brought you back into it in 2011. Yeah. Um, but I I didn't have any sign of slowing down or being a wrestling fan in that time anyway. But to say he probably revitalized my love for WWE is probably fair to say. Because okay. at that time, I was in kind of like my smarky age and I was watching lots of independent wrestling. Yeah. <clears throat> I loved like um, TNA and I had like, ROH DVDs and PWG and I was trying to watch some New Japan and whatever yeah. it was around the time. And uh, Punk's whole thing, I don't know, just bringing that sort of uh, legitimacy back to WWE. That was yep. kind of missing. I remember in 2010 feeling a bit deflated. I was like, this isn't what I remember. And I, I mean, it's daft to say that because I was whatever age I was and I had no real position to say that. And if I was to watch 2010 pay-per-views now, I'd probably be entertained. But at the time, yeah. I guess I was wanting more, you know. Um, and then Punk turned it around for me. And I just, not only was I in love with Punk, but all of my friends were in love with Punk. And it was almost, he kind of brought it back to being cool again. And I know you kind of feel strongly about that because he literally brought you back into wrestling. Yeah, um, absolutely. But being being the best in the world and, and wearing that merchandise and having that match in Money in the Bank and going on that run up until, you know, 2013 or whatever it was, uh, he was the main man, you know? You, you couldn't touch him. Promo-wise, story-wise, wrestling-wise, his matches with The Rock don't get enough credit. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time because of that reason, and I hope to God he comes back. And here's the thing, people say, no, he's never going to go back to WWE. If he comes back to wrestling, he'll go to AEW or New Japan or something. I don't want that. I want no. him to be in WWE, where he belongs, cult of personality, wrestling Cena again, wrestling Rey Mysterio, having a match with AJ Styles, it, being on WrestleMania, like that's where I want Punk to be. I think it could potentially happen soon. I think and, well, um, you know, never ever say never in wrestling. Yeah. But I'm with you. If if he's to have another run, another match, I want it to be in WWE. Um just because he 
he deserved a better send off than what he got. Like his last yeah. match was the Royal Rumble match, which yeah. was you know a good showing, but you you want it to be a, a match with Punk, and we don't even need to know it's his last match. I mean, Austin's last match, we didn't know that was what it was, but it was against mm-hmm. The Rock. So a match with Cena or 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 even Bray or just someone, someone to make it really compelling. And you're absolutely right. He he brought me back into wrestling. I distinctly uh, remember sitting in my first ever flat away from home uh, when I was at uni and uh, watching that promo in Las Vegas and that being the moment of going, oh my God, I want to watch Raw again. And then shortly yep. after that, I think, uh, or it was maybe actually that was yeah no that was after the rock had come back but that 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 was like those two things really kind of took me back into it so i i would love to see punk do it again one more time but i i also want him to be happy and him to have peace of mind so we'll see never say never in wrestling but i'd be be lying if i said i wouldn't be the first one to see it if it was to happen and i want it to be in wwe yeah give us another one then we'll call it a day Right, I'm going to chuck at you. I've got two options here. I think I will go with... Oh, I'm torn. I'm going to I'm gonna give you two names and you you pick, all right? Okay. Uh, we, we're either going to go with Rey Mysterio or Mick mm-hmm. Foley. Okay, uh, Foley's on my list. Rey's not, but I can talk about either. I can talk about Rey for a good length of time if you want. Let's go Ray because uh, Ray for me uh, was see by the time that he came to WWE. First of all, I did not watch WCW as a kid, so I didn't know who he was. And so by the time he came to WWE in '02, um, I also was unable to watch wrestling as it happened because you, you know I think we might have had dial-up internet at the time, but that was a, a real hangover. It was a real you know difficulty to get online and uh you know we didn't have sky tv so i couldn't watch wrestling so everything i knew about wrestling in 2002 into 2003 was either word of mouth from robert or from the magazines which was always yeah. out of date you know by the time you got the magazines it was a little bit outdated so i would read about Rey mysterio i'd read about it, it was amazing and then the wwe put this dvd out called Rey mysterio 619 yes um, <laughs> which was a, a documentary which had a lot of his best matches and i asked for it for i think a birthday or something and i got it and i loved it and I, that's when i fell in love with him his story his upbringing and in, in his early days in mexico into wcw his love of tattoos his love of cologne i love this i love this house tour in that dvd the amazing isn't it yeah he shows his uh, figure room <laughs> It's incredible. I like. Uh, I remember there being wee bits where you could see his face as well. Like, yeah, the, yeah. Just try to it out. Pause the DVD and <laughs> catch his face. Uh, and that's where I started to really appreciate like proper like technical wrestling as opposed to just character driven stuff. So a lot of his matches, like his his Halloween Havoc match uh, uh, in 1997 with Eddie Guerrero, is a masterpiece. Um, and I fell in love with so many of those matches. By the time I was 14, um, on a second visit to the States, I spent a day in Tijuana, Mexico. Oh, wow. Um, which is, you know, where, where a lot of his time in wrestling happened. And his his uh, WWE original song, Cross the Borders, references t- Tijuana as well. <laughs> There's a CD we need to talk about one day. Yeah, <laughs> one yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can we please just do a whole episode about that? Uh, so, uh, and so, uh, like 
walking over the American border from San Diego, California to Tijuana, Mexico is like day and night. Like you, there's no transition. You are instantly in what you visualize Mexico to be. And uh, as a 14 year old, I was blown away by how many, like imagine being in the Barra's market, but everyone's selling Luchador masks. Do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Uh, Luchador masks and churros. Um, And so I bought, from a, like a mask seller, a uh, Rey Mysterio mask. And the guy was really trying to upsell it to me. He was like, this is Rey Mysterio Jr. He's number one in the United States. And uh, my dad had to t- haggle with him so I could buy this mask. And the thing is, quality-wise, that mask, maybe it's not that great. I don't know. But it f- feels and looks amazing. And one of my, it's one of the gems of my collection is that I have a, a Luchador Rey Mysterio mask. It's not a licensed WWE product but it was hand-stitched in Tijuana, Mexico. And uh, I'm well proud of that. And so I still got it. It doesn't really fit me anymore, but uh, <laughs> one of these days I'd love to get him to sign it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, a, just a, it's just a cool thing to have. I'm, and uh, I, I really cherish that Rey Mysterio mask. I think it's absolutely amazing that he's still going today. And you know what? This last run, I've always known Ray's been great, right? Always. When I was younger and stuff, winning the world title and that sort of thing, and just, he was just so cool. Um. But this past run is the first time I've been like, do you know what? He is one of the greatest ever um, mm-hmm. in times of timing and delivery of, of connecting with a mask, you know? Being that little guy, but not wrestling like a little guy. His, his stuff with Lesnar this past year was was great, you know? Yeah. And his matches on Raw recently with like Buddy Murphy and Andrade, the chemistry. I could watch Rey Mysterio and Andrade wrestle all day. Yeah, um, man, those guys are amazing. Just brilliant. Also, um, his feud in 2005 with Eddie about the custody of his son. It's, I mean, yeah. it's daft, but it's so good. Both yeah, those guys right, are just on top of their game. Aren't Wrestling they? is soap opera, and that was that was a great balance of soap opera with great matches as well. And uh, I feel sometimes it was a shame that that was his la- Eddie's last big storyline before he passed. Yep. You know, so all the t-shirts they were wearing at his memorial was the "I'm your I'm your I'm puppy" t-shirt. Puppy. I'm your but puppy. do you know what? It was a great moment, and uh, yeah, it was great. I had the pleasure of meeting Ray when I was seventeen, and that's another story I'll tell. That was one of my less embarrassing wrestler encounters that left me quite satisfied. Um, and I've had the chance to see him wrestle a couple times as well. He's, um, you know, he's. It's amazing that the guy's well into his forties, but he could still put on a great match. And I remember when he first returned at Royal Rumble 2018, thinking yeah. that he was in the best nick he's been in in years, and he was moving like in an incredible way. So again, kind of like Jeff, I hope that this run gives him the send off that he deserves, um, because the you know the the twelve year old in me who who kind of marveled over that 619 DVD would love that, would love to see that. And if that match happens at a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam down the line, you got to know that I'm going to try and squeeze into that old Mexican hand-stitched mask one more time. Absolutely. Just to say cheerio and, uh, to the master it'll, of the 619. It'll be, it'll be at WrestleConnection on Instagram for reference. Um, yep. <laughs> oh God, one, yeah. one of my favorite moments in WWE history is when Eddie reveals Ray's secret. Yeah. And he goes, I'm your puppy, Dominic. Yeah. And then uh, Ray runs back into the ring and Dominic goes, is it true, Dad? Is it really true? <laughs> Bless him. Fair play to Dominic. He was just a wee boy at oh, the time. Man. And do you know what? I couldn't have done that, uh, acted like that at that age. So good on him. Good on him. It's every so, time, so every time like a big man now. <laughs> I know every time he comes on Raw now, I send my mates a video of him just going, is it true, Dad? <laughs> 
but yeah, no, good shout. There are so many other people we could talk about. We didn't talk about Sean Michaels, Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan. We didn't talk about any of these guys that are, um, or even Mick Foley, who are on my list anyway. Anybody else you want to give a quick shout out to? Uh, the only other people that I had on my list were, uh, we've talked about a lot of them actually. And weirdly enough, the only other person on my list, which may surprise you, and this is another story for another day, and that's Bailey. Yeah. I kind of knew that one. I knew that one was coming, but I guess the listeners might not have known that. So that's that's a fun tidbit there. So uh, one day I'll tell my Bailey story. Uh, that'll probably happen to meet a wrestler, maybe. Something to tune back into, folks. Yes. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this episode. And we hope this has been okay. We we talked about our favourite wrestlers and that sort of thing, but the majority of the episode is, um, is becoming the staple of the show where we're literally just bantering back and forth about random obsessions that we have in terms of wrestling. And that's going to be what to expect here every single week, every single Sunday here on the Wrestling Connection. So uh, on social media, you can get us on Twitter at WrestleConnect1, Facebook.com slash The Wrestling Connection, Instagram at WrestleConnection, and just search The Wrestling Connection Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to us on there. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening on uh, on your favourite podcasting outlets, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Anchor or Pocket Casts. Please give us a wee review, uh, a follow, a like, whatever you can. Um, we just recently got our first Apple review from our good friend Scott, uh, he he left us a beautiful iTunes review, so you should do the same and uh, help do. us spread help us spread the word of the wrestling connection. Um, I had another thing I was going to say. Oh yeah, we have to thank Kate for the jingles, and we have to thank Jamie for the artwork. And uh, hopefully soon we can get some someone else to introduce the show, and we can uh, share that some more on social media. <laughs> But yes, thank you, everyone. Uh, please, uh, we we would love to hear from you. We love the feedback. It does mean a lot to us. We, you know, uh, you know, we're in a position where obviously we can read and respond to pretty much everything. So, uh, please, please get in touch and let us know what you think. It means a lot. Quick reminder of the match of the week: it is Eddie Guerrero versus Rob Van Dam in a ladder match from Raw. What was the date on that one? The twenty seventh of May, two thousand and two, Chris. Get it on the network, check it out, you won't regret it. It's a great ladder match and one of the best matches in Raw history. Until next time, folks, thanks very much for listening. My name is Chris, this is Glenn, and until next time, thanks so much for listening. Take care of yourselves and each other. Remember, stay safe out there, everybody, and look after yourselves and your loved ones. Bye.